We'll be reading from the book of Judges, Judges chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Judges uh, was right in the middle of what we call the Old Testament history, where you begin to have a narrative of the things that happened in the Hebrew nation. We're looking at uh, events that took place 3,100 years ago in a place that's far away, uh, all the way across the Atlantic Ocean, all the way through Europe, all the way onto the shores of the Mediterranean Sea. It's a long time ago, and a long way from here, you might think as we start looking at some details, and we'll look at some technical historical details uh, today, uh, what, what's that have to do with us? Well, Paul said in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 4, whatever things were written before time were written for our learning, that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The scriptures he's speaking of, the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't even been compiled yet. Patience, comfort, hope. We need all three of those, don't we? And these things were written for our learning so we can experience these in our lives. So that's why we read this, and that's why we study this. There's a reason for this. And we can gain something for it, so you bear with us. We'll tie it all up before it's over with. This means something. In Judges chapter 13, verse 1, would you stand as the Scriptures read, please? Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren, have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Skip down to verse 24. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew. And the Lord blessed him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the things that were written before. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, we ask that it would apply to the things that cause us concern today. Help us to see the lessons you have in here. There's a reason for this that we need to learn some things. Help us to learn them, to grasp them. And we thank you for patience and comfort and hope that comes from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. First thing we look at in this passage of scripture, and it's pretty obvious, there's some good news in troubled times. Some good news came to this family in troubled times. We want to look at the troubled times in that one 3,100 years ago, 
it says, again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Here was a family that was living in a wicked country, a country that had abandoned godly principles, a country that was ignoring God's message. Because of that, it says, God delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. He had some neighbors, neighbors called the Philistines. And for 40 years, the Philistines oppressed the children of Israel. Now, if you have read through the Old Testament any length of time, the Philistines are a familiar name. 330 years earlier, from the very birth of the country of Israel, and they were coming out of Egyptian bondage. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, God said, Do not take the northern route, even though it is shorter, because you'll be going through the land of the Philistines. And when the children of Israel see war, they may get discouraged and want to turn around and go back to Egypt. They weren't prepared for battle. They weren't prepared for conflict. They weren't prepared for travel very much. They just gathered it all up and left after the night of the Passover. And God said, you'll take the long route. You'll go straight to the east and go around a, a circular route to what I'm calling the promised land, but don't go to the north. These people are so unsettled, and they're so warlike, and they're so hard to get along with. He just knew that if they went through there, it wouldn't turn well for them when they went through the Philistines. Now, 284 years earlier, just 45 years later, at the closing years of Joshua's life, it talks about the conquest of the, of the land of promise. They had gone through and pretty much claimed the land of promise. But in chapter 13 of the book of Joshua, verse 2, it says, As Joshua was getting old and the land was being settled, these areas remained. And it lists the land of the Philistines. So we're realizing at the time that Joshua died, the land of the Philistines had yet to be settled and there was no peace there. 1,000 years later than the events we look at, during the regime of Saul, the first king of Israel, the Philistines now dominated the region of the land of Israel. How bad was their domination? Well, look over in 1 Samuel chapter 13. First Samuel chapter 13. First Samuel chapter 13. Start in uh, verse 16. First Samuel. Chapter 13, verse 16, Saul 
Jonathan, his son, and the people present with him remained in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road of Oprah to the land of Shaul. Another company turned to the road to Beth Horon. Another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines. How bad was it? Verse 19, there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, his sickle. And the charge for sharpening was a hem for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, the axes, and the set the points on the goads. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan and his sons. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. Wow. Three companies came out of the land of the Philistines to raid the children of Israel. Their domination was so great that there was no blacksmith in the land. They had to go down there. The Philistines had disarmed the country. Now, 420 years later, during the last of the kings of Israel, as God is speaking of the last days before the exile to Babylon, before the children of Israel, the country just pretty much ceased to exist for a few years. In 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 18, it lists a lot of the countries that were causing them problems. Assyria, Babylon, Egypt. And it says this, and the Philistines invaded the cities of the lowlands. The Philistines invaded the cities. The Philistines raided the country. The Philistines oppressed the people. For all these years, there was bad news. The bad news came out of the land of the Philistines. But now, here's the good news. The good news is God can be depended on. Yes, the Philistines oppressed the country. Yes, it was part of God's plan to bring his people back to him. But God can be depended on because in verse 5 it says, he will begin to deliver the Philistines, of the Hebrews, out of the hand of the Philistines. He will begin to deliver Israel out of their hands. He will begin it. Now, that would come about 20 years later, right? But this is a pattern of reliability. Here they were, oppressed by a foreign country, and oppressed to the point of for 40 years, they had domination over them, and God said, I'm going to bring a man up to deliver you out of this bondage. If you'll turn back to chapter 2, verse 11, we have a summary of just what this was a part of. It was part of a pattern, a part of a pattern, a pattern of reliability. 
Even when the people were unreliable, God could be depended on. In chapter 2, verse 11. Of Judges. Judges chapter 2, verse 11. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's a familiar statement, isn't it? And served the Baals. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers who brought them out of the hand of Egypt. They followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. They bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. <clears throat> they forsook the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, and served Baal and the Asterisk. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of the enemies all around so that he could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said. And the Lord had sworn to them. They were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Did you catch this? There'll be countries all around, and all around, they'll cause you trouble. But he said, the Lord's going to raise up a hero, and he did it over and over. Those heroes are listed in the book of Judges. Othanel, Gideon, Samson, a pattern after pattern over hundreds of years, God could be depended on. And Samson was one more hero. So we understand there's good news in troubled times. Secondly, God's blessings often include responsibility. The blessing was this. You'll bear a son. That was a big blessing. So obviously, they had wanted children for quite some times because it says she was barren and could not have children. Well, that implies then, of course, a long period of time that it was, of course, noted that they didn't have any kids. In that day and time, it was a major issue. And even in this day and time, it, it is devastating when a couple wants children and, and can't have children. But in that day and time, there was even a social stigma involved. People looked down on them. They thought, these got to be some bad folks if they don't have any kids. So we understand the blessing was, finally, after all these years, she was going to have a son. Now, we have the responsibilities. Verse 4, now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, nor to eat any unclean thing. The responsibility, a disciplined and dedicated lifestyle. Now, one of these <clears throat> instructions had to do with everybody in the land of Israel. Don't eat the unclean things. You stay true to God's word and God's rules for your life. The other thing was specific. You don't drink any wine. And he said, this man's going to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite. That's a blessing because that meant he would be set apart for God's service. Part of the duty of the Nazarite was the Nazarite was not to drink wine, not to drink, eat uh, grapes, not to touch the vine, to stay away from that totally. 
So there would be no chance that this could snare him and entrap him. And the mother of Samson was told, you need to have a disciplined and dedicated lifestyle. God blesses us with a lot of different blessings. He blesses us with families. He blesses us with jobs. He blesses us with a church. With every one of these blessings, we have responsibilities. And with all these blessings, part of those responsibilities is a disciplined and dedicated lifestyle to live for him. When God gives us a blessing, there's a responsibility to take care of that blessing. Obviously with children, but obviously with a testimony, a church. We have blessings, but God says you need to take care of that blessing because, secondly, attention to God's instruction. You skip down and Manoah gets in and she tells Manoah about what happened <clears throat> and Manoah says this down in verse 11. So Manoah rose and followed his wife when he came to the man said to him, are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? In other words, he's saying, tell me what to do. Give me instructions on how to raise this boy. Give me instructions on how to direct his life. Wow, what a daddy. What a father who looks to God and says, God, Tell me how to do this right. And that should be every daddy. That should be every parent. And that should be all of us when it comes to the blessings that God has given us. Lord, show me how to do this right. Thankfully, God answers the prayer. And we have how to do it right. Right in here right in here. God's blessings often include responsibilities. And then we're wrapping it all up here. Where's the patience and the comfort and hope I talked about? You know, I gave you a commercial a while ago about what all this would mean. Patience and the comfort of the scriptures gives us hope. Here it is. All the while that this country was in despair, God was making a plan. Now, I don't know how many people were in the circle of these parents, and I don't know if they told anybody. But the country at large, I'm sure, for 20 years thought that they had been abandoned. Nothing was happening. God wasn't working. And you know what was happening? A little kid was growing up. His name was Samson. And it says he'll begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Now, have to understand, did that happen right away? No. He was a toddler. It's going to take some time. But while everybody thought nothing was happening, God was at work. and God was bringing up a hero. A hero that would make a difference. So many times in our life, we think that nothing's happening. Maybe God has forgotten about us. But according to God's word, God is faithful. And God works when we can't see him. There's hope. There's Comfort, and there, of course, gives us patience. What's the relevance in today's world? Well, we're talking about the Hebrew nation. 
and we're talking about the Philistines. So what? Well, you have to pay attention to your history and to your geography. I mentioned a passage of scripture that I want to go back to in Judges chapter 13. Joshua chapter 13, excuse me, Joshua. Joshua chapter 13. We refer to this passage that there were still lands to be settled, lands to be conquered, lands that remained that were not at peace. Look close at this in Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. Now Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You're old and advanced in years. There remains very much land yet to be possessed. This is the land that yet remains, all the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Geshurites, from Sihor, which is east of Egypt, as far as the order of Ekron northward, which is counted as Canaanite. Five lords of the Philistines, the Gazites, Ashdodites, the Ashkelonites, the Gittites, the Ekronites, and the Avites. Now, the Avites were just those who were around the coast. The others, the five lords of the Philistines, these are the areas that was considered the headquarters of the Philistines, and they had five rulers. Five rulers came from these countries. The Ekronites from Ekron, that's a big city. The Gittites from Gath. The Ashkelonite from Ashkelon the Ashtadites from Ashtot, and the Gazites from Gaza. And you look at all these five cities, and you know where all these five cities are? In the land that is called the Gaza Strip. That is the land that the raiders came from last Saturday. The land of the Philistines. 3,100 years later, raiders are still coming from the land of the Philistines. Now, the news makes it sound like it's a brand new thing. And since it's a brand new thing, it's, oh no, what are we going to do? We've not seen this before. Yes, we have. We saw it for hundreds of years in the history of the Scriptures hundreds of years, and we're still seeing it today. These five cities, the land of the Philistines, draw a line around them, and you have the Gaza Strip. And it's still in the news today. What's the comfort there then? The comfort there is God still has a plan, and he's still at work. But, but what's that have to apply to us? I mean, we're over here, that's over there. Well, it applies to us in a general sense in that there was an enemy that oppressed the people of Israel, God's people. God raised up a hero to conquer that enemy. We face an enemy that will oppress us, 
that will rob us, that will destroy our lives. That enemy, of course, sin and Satan. We see it at work. We see evil beyond imagination, don't we, over there. We see evil beyond imagination in our country. Sin runs rampant. You say, where's the hero? Well, back in the book of Luke, it says an angel of the Lord came to a woman of Nazareth named Mary and said, Behold, you'll bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. God raised up a hero for the whole human race that has faced the onslaught of evil and sin and death and destruction. And that hero is Jesus Christ. That hero won the victory. That hero banished sin and death and made sure that all of us could have salvation for all eternity. That is patience and comfort and hope like you'll never know. These things were written for our learning that we could have patience, comfort, and hope through Jesus Christ. And as imperfect as Samson and all these other heroes were, they're just a picture of what God was going to do once and for all on Calvary's cross. And the hero, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Whatever nationality, whatever generation we live in, we face that same enemy. Maybe called by different names, face the same enemy, sin, death, and evil. And Jesus conquered it all. Have you followed him? Do you know him? Do you have that comfort knowing he's control of your life as we stand and sing right now?